You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to a less than ecstatic Pride of Detroit post-game show. I am your adequate host, as always, Chris Perfett, at Chris Perfett on Twitter, as we come to you from the wreckage and the aftermath of the Seattle Seahawks-Detroit Lions game, a game that I think most people felt really good coming into this game, that this would be the get-right game for the Detroit Lions, and instead, it turns into a box score that looks like something you would expect from the Pac-12 after dark, or maybe the Big 12 circa about, I don't know, eight years ago when nobody played defense. This was a game that was insanely high scoring and the Lions come out on the losing end of it. And although the final score may look respectable, this was a game where the Lions, much like the Eagles game, found themselves getting their nose handed to them multiple times, that the Seahawks playing the trick to take their nose and stimmy them. And that doesn't feel good when it's uh, there's there's it's one thing when the Philadelphia Eagles, who we now know are really good, and Jalen Hurts are doing that to you. It's another thing when you are letting up 48 points to Geno Smith, regardless of the fact that he has Rashad Penny and DK Metcalf. It's just it's it's brutal to take that on the chin, especially when it's also in your building. So what happened here? How did the Detroit Lions find themselves in this situation? And what is the biggest stories to take away from this? And unfortunately for the Lions, it's a lot of the same picture that we've been getting through and through with this season as it comes into focus. I'm going to leave the offense to the side. I think some people are going to continue to nitpick on Jared Goff's play regardless because he did have an interception. He did have a pick six. He did throw in a triple coverage, but that's not why they lost this game. And honestly, I don't know how much more Jared Goff could really have done to keep this game on the rails to get it out with a depleted roster, with a depleted roster to get it out to guys like TJ Hawkinson and Josh Reynolds. Let's take the offense off the board because the, the story is going to completely come from this game on defense, and I've already seen the calls and concerns when it comes to Aaron Glenn. The defense is the biggest woe for the Detroit Lions right now, and I think there's a 50-50 split in blame as you look to why these things have happened the way it is, why the Lions gave up 48 points to Geno Smith and allowed him a 132 passer rating in this game, allowed him to average 10.7 yards through the air, allowed an average of 7.1 on the ground. I gave up more touchdowns than I've seen in a very long time to the point where the Seattle Seahawks never punted in this game. And in their long, in the history of the Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks have never had a game where they didn't have to punt. How did that happen? There's a 50-50 split in blame. The first 50% is one that I'm sure Lions fans already know, and they know it very well. And quite honestly, it's the one that the Lions are really not going to have an answer to this season. And that's just talent level and injuries. 
put those two together and it's just there's nothing really there talent level wise this is a young team no matter how you slice it there's a lot of rookies on it that means inconsistent play Aiden Hutchinson was once again very quiet in this game but he's a rookie you expect quiet games from rookies they're getting used to the speed of the NFL what is more worrying is when you have just the lack of talent that means that so much comes onto the head of Amani Oruwarie, and if Amani Oruwarie in the backfield is in coverage is not playing very well, it it starts to spell trouble. Of Jeff Okuda, we have really not much to say. I thought he played very well, not as well as his other games. Uh, covering some of the great receivers out there. He did let allow DK Metcalf to uh, have, have some days, but I don't think he was shadowing DK Metcalf like he was, uh, say, Terry McLaurin or Justin Jefferson as much. We'll have to, I'll have to go through the snap counts on Jeff Okuda in that regard. Either way, though, the point is, is that there's not a lot of depth to this team. When a, when, when, a, when a guy is not playing very well, there's really no one to replace him at a point when you don't have a lot of depth and when you just have a lot of injuries and you have to play out of what you have available. I think a lot of fans have started to look towards the return of Jerry Jacobs as the hope that somehow this is just going to be able to, that Jerry Jacobs' return is going to help shore up the, the coverage for the Lions. I don't know if that's going to be the case. They just don't have enough to go around. And really, the lack of Tracy Walker, the absence of Tracy Walker on injury, I think really hurts this defense. But it's not just that, too. It's stuff we've already always known about the, the talent on this defense. Malcolm Rodriguez can be amazing, but he's still young. And he's the only one of those linebackers that you can really trust out there right now. Chris Board, I thought, did not have himself a very great game. Lot, uh, Alex Anzalone, I did not think had a very good game. So it becomes a bit of a problem when you get when you get into a position where this team is already as banged up as you can be. But guess what? Every team in the NFL plays with injuries. It's what it is. You have to deal with it. You have to overcome it. And that brings us to the other 50%. This is the 50% that's a little harder to swallow. This is the 50% that is going that is I think riled up a lot of people and that is what happened in this game when it comes to when it came to schematics when it came to how the Lions actually executed their game plan. And unfortunately that happens to fall on Aaron Glenn's head and it has to fall on the the, the head of a lot of the defensive coaching staff of which Aaron Glenn is the head and will have to take some responsibility for it. And that is how this game plan was brought about because the Lions knowing that they have a dearth of talent, knowing that they have a bevy of injuries, but you do not help yourself when you play the kind of game plan that the Detroit Lions played against Seattle's offense. The game plan did not work at all. There is no reason to throw a zero blitz under three minutes. The zero blitz throughout the rest of the game, it's, it, it, it's, it's bad. It was very bad, and Seattle knew it the entire time to the point where Geno Smith was actually barking at the sideline at one point saying that they knew it was coming. But then you do it under three minutes, and it turns into a touchdown to help seal the game for the Seahawks. That's that's really bad. That That is a mistake of the highest order. 
And I don't believe in calling for jobs. I don't think that's right. I understand that the fans will be frustrated. And I think that there a lot of the fans who are worried about Aaron Glenn potentially being poached for a head coach probably don't need to worry about that as much. That said, Aaron Glenn's reputation definitely took a lot of hits when we saw just, look, this team likes to be aggressive at the end of the day. And I think in this case, that aggression bit them very hard. Seattle is very good at several things. Number one, tight end plays. Number two, those those high completion percentage plays that helps Geno Smith keep his uh, completion percentage abnormally high. Those are the kind of plays the Detroit Lions really didn't have answers for. It is not, it's not a good sign when you are giving up 545 total yards to Seattle. Seattle had 47 points in their first three games of the season. Today, 48. If you tell me before this game that the Detroit Lions put up 45 points on offense, I'm telling you they're winning. Instead, they get outscored. Instead, with over a thousand yards from scrimmage from both teams, the Detroit Lions are on the losing end. And as and you know, we can talk about the mistakes from Jared Goff, and Jared Goff himself can say we just need to go out there and score more points. That's fine, but you need a stop at some point from your defense. There wasn't even bend don't break in a lot of this. The the, the Seahawks, I think, were only held to a couple times where they had to go for a field goal, and one of those times they did miss it. But they had a lot of touchdowns, man. They had a lot of touchdowns. They had a lot of chances to just walk right in. And it's the way they were walking in. There would be third There would be third and short way too many times where all of a sudden you look, you blink, and suddenly Rashad Penny is just running for the house. The busted coverages are just beyond, beyond a problem at this point. It hurts a lot. As I said, it's one thing when you're losing these kind of games, when you go down very hard and go into the half 24 to 15 against Seattle at the half. That kind of score is more acceptable when you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. For the Seattle Seahawks, for a team that everyone knows who they are and you got them out of Seattle, you got them into a position where you can probably take advantage of them in your house, the the the. The, the volume at Ford Field was amazing. Once again, you can't have, you can't drop that kind of game. It's the kind of game that can deflate a fan base very quickly. I don't think it's deflated the Detroit Lions, but you can see it on Dan Campbell's face in the, in the press conferences afterwards. This is a game that just, there's a lot of questions that they don't have answers to right now. It is a long season. This is still only four games into the season, but right now at one and three, I don't think the Lions are as bad as some people are making them out to be. I also had them at like six and eleven, I think, for my prediction on the year. But I also think that if there is a high, if there was a high mark for the Lions, people were hoping on that it's time to temper those expectations. That said, they can still turn it around. This team is very hard to figure out week to week. Where they will get better, though, is when they get back some of those pieces for their offense because they were missing Amon Ross St. Brown today and they were missing DeAndre Swift today. The good news is that Jamal Williams was a beast out there. 
He does have to hit the jugs machine a little bit for his uh, pass catching prowess, but that's not something I think Jamal Williams has really ever been asked to do. He had a couple of nasty drops, but come on. He's one of the first Lions with, with multi-rushing touchdowns in a game since 1997. You can kind of, I'm going to give you two guesses who that man in is in 1997 who had more than one rushing touchdown in a game. Jamal Williams joined him. Jamal Williams was someone who I'd absolutely give a game ball to in this game. But unfortunately, the reinforcements the Lions can expect on offense, be it JMO finally coming off pup at some point, be it the return of DeAndre Swift and Avon Ross St. Brown when they're healthy. That's not helping the team in its biggest problem right now, which is its defense. And the more the weeks go on, the more glaring it's going to become. They're just going to get in bad matchups like this. And it feels awful to say that the Seattle Seahawks was a bad matchup. It just doesn't sit well in the craw, given what our preconceptions are of Seattle. This is a team with no real quarterback to speak of that got up for one very charged game at home against their former quarterback against Denver and has just been stinking it up ever since. It's hard to swallow those kind of things because we we believe the Lions are at some point are going to be a team that beats bad teams that are in front of them. And unfortunately, this is a game that they were beat by a bad team that was in front of them. Why was they beat by a bad team in front of them? Because it's just a it's a bad matchup and they brought the wrong damn playbook to the game. Many times, as advanced and complicated as football is, it often comes down to a very complicated form of rock, paper, scissors. Because if you just come to the fight bearing scissors and they got a rock, it doesn't matter. You're screwed. It requires you to be flexible, to know to change your hand up. And the Lions didn't do that. They continued to be very aggressive. They continued to blitz. They can. They brought four. And when that didn't work, they started to bring seven. And it, they would do zero blitzes. The amount, the amount of aggression they showed proved to be their downfall against the Seattle Seahawks. They had an answer for it. I don't know where the answer is, and I really don't feel like I need, I really know what to even prognosticate against next week going on the road to the New England Patriots, because that might be a completely different matchup. They might not be as aggressive, but I think this game gave a really good blueprint on how you can just really bait the Lions like, like a bull with a red flag by just waving it at them, asking them to be aggressive, and they will just hand, and they will just give you busted coverage a lot. It's something the Lions really have to work to, for in going into the rest of the season. I don't think it gets solved very quickly, but it's something that is going to haunt them for a while until they can really shore up, show, show their restraint on the aggression, and know where to apply it properly. That's going to do it for the post-game show. Thank you very much for those of you who have been watching. Uh, and those who are listening on the podcast feed, check out the POD cast coming to you on Monday morning, the podcast feed POD cast later tonight, Sunday on twitch.tv slash pride Detroit. Be sure to join us live for all of this post game immediately after the show. We got to try out call-ins this, this week here, uh, using our discord server and we'll have POD cast later as always with the thoughts from Jeremy and Ryan as well. As always, Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett on Twitter. We'll see you star side. <laughs>